0: It's time for episode 444 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, March 30th, 2022. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes.
1: Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that definitely has its clocks in a row. I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my good pal, my friend, my dungeon buddy, it's Dan the man Morin. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing well. Four, 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 four. Three fours. Whew. Not four fours, but three fours. That's a lot of fours. In four four time, not three four time. Let us do this. four. Look out for that golf ball! (laughs) As I look out for our awesome guests. To my left is my co-host on iOS today, as well as the co-host of Automators and just an all-around delightful automation expert. It's Rosemary Orchard. Welcome back to the show, Rosemary.
2: Hi! Nobody told me it was a palindrome episode. I didn't realize the <laughs> extra pressure was there. Yeah. What do I if do now? If you play it
1: backwards, it plays exactly the same.
2: <laughs> really oh, Sammy, god!
1: you see you.
0: What <laughs> creepy that you can do that. To my left this week, it is a partner at Lickability and the host of the forthcoming podcast, Absolutely Crushed. It's Matthew Bischoff. Welcome back,
3: Matthew. Oh, it's so good to be here. I feel like you should have had the the uh, the hosts of Top Four for this episode. Oh, uh,
0: four, <sighs> four, yeah. four. We're really bad.
1: We're really bad at these things. <laughs> So oh, four hundred and forty four episodes in, we still have not quite got it down. So that whole planning idea is a little bit much for me. So Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Wait, there's a plan? <laughs> Let's get into the show. You know how this works. The one plan we do have is to have uh four people, four tech topics, and to try and answer all of them in thirty minutes. My question for you is uh the EU has said, Hey, look, here's what we're thinking. Uh, you know, we're just gonna I don't know why they have this voice, but they do. <laughs> Minnesota? <laughs> the, well, what? The, the EU, notably based in Minnesota, um, said, look, we think that all uh, messaging applications should just sort of work together and it's unfair that they don't. So we're going to do this thing called the Digital Markets Act. And I was just wondering, uh, oh, no, that's me now. I was just wondering, what are your thoughts on this Digital Marketing Act or Digital Markets Act? What are your thoughts on messaging service interoperability? Should iMessage and WhatsApp work together? Rosemary, we'll start with you.
2: I mean, I have opinions on this. Um, my opinion on this is mostly, do you actually know how complicated messaging apps are and how difficult these things are to integrate with one another? Like how difficult it is apparently uh, for Instagram and WhatsApp to launch an iPad app. Um, if they can't accomplish that, how are they going to ever integrate with iMessage? Um, but I am slightly concerned that the point behind this is essentially to make it easier for less techie people. And it's the less techie people who've decided that it has to be easier for them. And they have absolutely no idea about the security element involved if you use, say, for example, Signal, Telegram, which has end-to-end encryption, same as iMessage, how do you transfer keys between those um, in a way that allows people to, you know, securely exchange end-to-end encrypted messages? Or do suddenly you not have end-to-end encryption? And how do you tell the user about that? And do you tell the user about that in a way that scares them? Or do you just let them know, hey, like, there is an end-to-end encryption here? Have fun with that. It's one of those things where it very much feels to me just like when the EU brought in EU VAT Moss, which is where any digital goods sold to anybody in the EU have to VAT has to be paid on it and it has to be given to the country of the person who purchased it. Except how do you define the country of the person that purchased it? Is it the German who lives in France and commutes to Luxembourg on a daily basis? Where does his VAT go? I feel like the fact that they used the IP address as one of the valid options of proving where a person was and therefore where the VAT should go really tells you about the level of technical ability involved in the people making these decisions. Which is not to say that this is a terrible idea. I just think that this is a hell of a lot more complex than anybody possibly could have thought. Um, And they are probably going to regret this sooner rather than later when they get told that their parliamentary chat app has to uh, integrate with WhatsApp.
0: Getting getting Google and Apple and Meta all to work on the same page, I feel like maybe they should have tackled something a little easier, like world peace. Uh, it seems as though I agree with you, Rosemary, and that's one thing that seems to be universal across the world is none of our politicians understand how technology works, but they all want to do something about it because they're convinced mm, that we could just solve this problem. I agree that the root of this idea is sound in terms of making these things interoperable. I mean there we are kind of had that sort of i't call it quite a fluke, but the sort of lucky evolution of uh, you know sms evolving as a standard that worked to link basically all phones everywhere. but as soon as every con- you know every company and provider etc all started putting their different spin on things, we ended up in a fragmented world. This is what happens with standards it 's just the way it goes. And everybody who wants to try and push a new standard has a reason and an agenda for pushing that standard. So I'm sure Apple will say, well, we you know designed iMessage with all these features in it because we believe it's the best thing for the user. And Google will be over there saying, well, we have our, you know, we signed on to that RCS standard and everybody should join us over here. And it's just everybody wants hmm. to have their own little fiefdom uh, in terms of running these things. So I think the practicality of this is extremely low. In a sort of best-case scenario, I think getting some of these companies to sit down and think out to the future of... Hey, we are in an increasingly divided world where people have a bunch of different platforms. Is there a way we can collaborate in the same way that we started to see with like Matter as a home, home tech standard? Is there a way we can sort of envision the next generation of messaging and make sure that while people can use different services, there is a way for them to communicate with each other rather than ending up in a situation where everybody's in these little silos? Matthew, what do you think?
3: As a user, like this would be amazing. I spent a couple of weeks using that uh, app that's in beta called Texts. And it does put all of the messaging apps into one app, essentially, through some, some wild hacks. And it's just great to not have to think, oh, where is this one friend? Do I have to open WhatsApp to talk to them or Instagram DMs to talk to them or whatever? So um, I really do want this kind of unification, not just in messaging apps, but uh, across a lot of the web and, and these types of applications. But I agree with you that um, it's super complicated. And I think Rosemary's point Point that the security issues are going to be one of the most complex things to solve uh, is is exactly right. I'm also afraid, though, that uh, if we do push towards this type of standardization, we're going to end up with lowest common denominator. Uh, feature sets and it's going to be harder to innovate on top of these uh, platforms. A lot of the biggest innovation that we've seen from Apple and from Google is because they can control the whole, the whole stack. They can do things that just work across the entire uh, platform. So I hope we don't lose out on that. If we, if we push toward uh, this unification.
1: Well, let me go ahead and say if you've got uh, any invite codes, I'd love to snag one of those from you because. Uh, as soon
3: as I do, you're first on my list. Yay!
1: <laughs> because I am using Beeper right now, which is another <laughs> um, sort of all in one messaging platform. Uh, I just recently got an invite to Beeper uh, that aims to do the same thing. And that's kind of what brought this up is now that I was uh, trying this out. Um, Basically, it brings all of your messaging into one platform. But the thing that kind of bugs me about these services is given that they're third parties, I, I feel okay logging in to some things that m- don't matter as much to me, but I still have not set up my beeper with my iMessage because it requires me logging into my Apple ID. And that kind of freaks me out a little bit because mm-hmm. then you mm-hmm. just, you know, a developer can say, hey, look, uh, we're not going to hold on to this. It's never uploaded to the server. If it is, it's deleted immediately, et cetera, et cetera. But it still kind of worries me. So I'm mm-hmm. going yeah. to like this whole idea. I think what I would like to see, what I would be okay with seeing with sort of messaging service interoperability is the ability on iOS to choose my default messaging client as opposed to a sort of all-in-one approach if it's going to mean using and logging into a third party to do that. If Apple could somehow beautifully make that happen on its own, where I could log into sort of the, the web accounts uh, settings that we used to have, and I could log into Instagram and all of those, and that my messages would all come into the Messages app on iOS. Oh, I'd be so down for that. Uh, but outside yeah, of that... I don't that,
3: think Facebook would be super into that. Yeah, so I, Facebook, not that I think that's, I think that's that a idea. bridge too far.
1: <laughs> exactly. So uh, I guess we'll find out how this goes. But I know that uh, they quoted the uh, creator, the co creator of Beeper uh, in, the, in one article about this new uh, Digital Markets Act. And the Beeper creator was very excited about this because that means that more interoperability for them could be in the future. All right. Thank you all for your answers on that topic. Let us go to our next topic, which comes from Rosemary.
2: Well, speaking about having all of the messages everywhere, how do you personally feel about having smart eyes or perhaps slightly more precisely smart contact lenses, which apparently are, uh, according to 9to5Mac at the least, there, aside from the FDA clearance, which I feel is a fairly significant hurdle that probably needs to be crossed. Um, But I'm curious as to whether or not you would use smart contact lenses. Would you have messages from your friends popping up in your eyeballs? Um, Would you get an NFC chip embedded in your hand. Um, if you had to get a pacemaker, would you prefer one that had an app connected to it for data collection? Where do you land on smart body parts? That
0: <laughs> my, I mean, my body parts could be smarter. I'm not, not going to disagree with that. But I don't <laughs> feel like I particularly want this... I don't wear glasses or contacts. The idea of and I know lots of people do it. I the idea of something putting something in my eyes freaks me out. I don't like anything near my eyes. I don't even like going to the eye doctor when they like <laughs> test stuff in my eyes. Um So I don't think smart contact lenses are for me that's a little bit too invasive. Likewise, I don't want anything implanted in parts of my body just because I feel like if nothing else, like, hey, I can replace my smartphone every year, but if I have to replace the chip in my hand every couple of years, that just seems too involved. I don't want to do that. Um, Or if it, I don't know, breaks or leaks. I don't know. It makes me uncomfortable and freaks me out a bit. So I'm not sure I'm, I'm quite here for that. That said, I think there are advantages to some of these sort of smart tech applications. You mentioned pacemakers. My mom has a pacemaker. I don't know what necessarily should we get out of having an app connected to it, but that's an interesting idea, certainly. Um, I think the contact lens one is funny, especially because they mention uh, in reading this that it can't use Bluetooth because it doesn't have enough battery power. So it uses <laughs> a different radio frequency to communicate with a neck worn bridge. It's like, great. So I need, oh, I've got this really compact smart contact lens, also a neck warmer that I need to wear at the same time. So I am not convinced that the whole AR thing is there yet and that we're to the point of smart body parts when we can't even quite manage to compact these things enough to really work in your eyes so i guess i'll hang on for those apple augmented reality glasses eventually
3: matthew yeah i'm also not a glasses or contacts wearer usually but i am an early adopter and i say go ahead make me a cyborg let's see um i i I think that while this stuff isn't quite there for me yet, it's rapidly approaching that point where I would try it for a week and see how it affected my life. Um, and I, I think that uh, while I've never tried contact lenses, I think I would, I would try a smart contact lens and see, like, it is this distracting? Is this make my life and job easier? Does it make it harder? Um, but I would kind of want it to come from a company that I trust, uh, with that kind of stuff, not, uh, some sort of fly by night shop that is just doing this for the first time. So I agree that probably we'll start with the glasses before the contact lenses and the implants and all of that, uh, stuff.
1: I would definitely be down for... The contact lens idea, again, not not big on embedding anything. I worry about sort of, I don't know, weird tech leak or something (laughs) where (laughs) there's some new uh, condition you can get from leaking things into your eye or into your body. I mean, because this is this is the future that I want is a future where I don't have a device in my hand and I can sort of use anything in front of me, around me, above me, below me as a surface on which to uh, access the Internet and uh, be able to get notifications and stuff like that. So I think this is all very exciting. Um, I would love to be among the first to try it uh, for sure. I don't mind wearing something around my neck, but uh, yeah, not big on sort of embedding anything into my skin. Rosemary, why don't you round us out here?
2: Well, those are all very good answers. As somebody who uh, ended up spending 30 minutes getting one contact lens out of my eye yesterday, because apparently it really didn't want to come out. I'm not sure I'm there on the AR contact lenses uh, thing yet, uh, especially if uh, they might not even be able to support a prescription, which I would need. Mm -hmm. That's why I wear glasses and contact lenses, funnily enough. Um, But I do like the idea of having... The information that I need in front of me at all times, you know, I glance at the oven and I see how long is left on the timer that's there um, and what's cooking, for example, that would be great. But considering the fact that, for example, Bose Smart's sunglasses, which just have little speakers in so that you can hear music are pretty chunky devices i don't think that the contact lenses are necessarily gonna add a huge amount of value to my life personally i'm not going for any implants or replacement body parts just yet uh i've seen star trek too many times the borg scare me but uh, (laughs) we'll, we'll see what happens when it comes to everything else uh in the future and you know maybe maybe there will be some which are pretty good without being overly invasive
1: All right, folks, we have reached halftime, which means I get to tell you about a great topic. Uh, That is New Relic. If you're a software engineer, then uh, breathe in and breathe out, because I'm about to describe something that you have experienced before. It's 9pm, maybe it's 11pm, maybe it's 2am. You're finally unwinding from work, but then your phone buzzes with an alert. Something's broken and your mind's already racing at what could be wrong. Is it the network? Is it the cloud provider? Maybe you introduced a bug in your last deploy. The whole team's scrambling from tool to tool. They're messaging person after person to find and fix the issue. There's a solution for this, and it is New Relic. New Relic can help you not have to be uh, running around trying to figure out what's going on. Because New Relic combines 16 different monitoring products that you'd normally buy separately. So engineering teams can see across their entire software stack in one place. More importantly, you can pinpoint issues down to the line of code, so you know exactly why the problem happened and can resolve it quickly. That's why the dev and ops teams at DoorDash, at GitHub, at Epic Games, and more than 14,000 other companies use New Relic to debug and improve their software. Whether you run a cloud-native startup or a Fortune 500 company, it takes just five minutes to set up New Relic in your environment. Look, New Relic did a study and uh, figured out that uh, it wasn't that there was another company out there who was kind of their biggest competitor. Their biggest competitor was just not having observability on the network at all. Like, what? not no observability you can make this so much easier by getting observability through new relic the next 9 p.m call is just waiting to happen get new relic before it does and this is pretty wild you can get access to the whole new relic platform and 100 gigs of data free forever no credit card required actually spoke to uh one of the folks at new relic and uh, this is this is for real you can truly get 100 gigs of data forever Free, no credit card required. Sign up at new slash clockwise. That's N E W R E L I C dot com slash clockwise. One more time newrelic.com dot com slash clockwise. Get that observability. And our thanks to New Relic for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All righty, it is time for Dan to take it away with his topic. So I'm curious are there services on the web that,
0: you know, have their apps that you could run on your? desktop or your phone or tablet, but you still choose to use them via a web browser. And if so, why? What draws you to do that? Matthew?
3: For me, this one uh, is not a choice. I'm a a big app person. I always use the app when I can, but sometimes... The app just doesn't work as well or doesn't have as many of the the features uh, of the website, or it's really just a thin wrapper around the website anyway. Mm-hmm. And in those cases, I'll use uh, the website. The one I'm thinking of right now is... Um, the app that I app, huh, the web app that I use to take all of my notes in, which is called Rome Research. They have a Mac app. It's really just a site-specific browser. They have a sort of iOS solution, but it's really just a progressive web app. So uh, I'm I'm mostly taking notes uh, in the web interface for Rome.
1: Nice. Um, for me, I think the main one would be that on the Mac, I don't use any kind of Twitter client. I just use the wow. web. Um, so I go to both twitter.com and then tweetdeck.twitter.com. I come from a heavy journalistic background. So mm, tweetdeck mm, was my, my main uh, for quite a long time. And now um, when I, am, I, I, like I just, I switched between them. Uh, it, kind of doesn't matter, except whenever I'm drafting tweets for different accounts. Like today, I will be using TweetDeck to send out the tweet for Clockwise once the show is published. And I use TweetDeck when I'm really trying to dig into what Twitter has to offer. Uh, But other times when I want a more lightweight approach, I'll just go to twitter.com Outside of that, uh, not really a whole lot. I do try my best to use um, apps as much as possible. I, too, am kind of an app person. And even on uh, my iPhone, I will go as far as to create that sort of home screen icon for different apps that kind of makes (laughs) them feel like they're apps themselves versus just web pages.
3: For the Twitter thing, do do you pin the tabs?
1: No. So I was a tab pinner. Uh, but I just didn't like how it would some, cause I, I had a, some pins for Gmail and uh, Twitter, but I just did not like how, uh, those tabs would, um, eat up, mm. <laughs> eat up my, my memory after a while. So I stopped pinning mm-hmm. tabs and just go to them when I need them. Uh, Rosemary, what about
2: you? Uh, it, for me, it varies, honestly. Um, if they have a terrible, uh, app, then that is going to make me much less likely to use the service. Um, and there are some things that I use which don't have apps or they have apps with very different purposes. And I'm thinking um, Zapier, Integromat, If This and That are good examples of this, where their apps primarily exist to get data from your phone and send data to your phone rather than to do the thing that the service is for. Mm-hmm. Um And so for those, obviously, I will use um, the web solution. But one that stands out to me is Airtable, which, of course, I love. It wouldn't be a podcast with me if I didn't mention Airtable. Um, But it is a great database application that I I love and I use heavily for all sorts of things. But, oh, my God, is their iOS app terrible. Um, It just doesn't have most of the different kinds of views and things so i have to use the web app and i don't have the ios app installed it doesn't even have shortcut support um so there's really no good reason for me to use it um i do use apollo instead of reddit which is not the official reddit app but i also have it installed on my m1 mac it is not quite the the greatest experience yet i know christian the developer is working on improving that but it is so much better than the the reddit website that I, I i live with um the not quite perfectness of apollo on the mac for that solution right now
0: that's very interesting i mean uh, there are very few for me though the one that came in that came to mind was i sort of use the twitter in a browser and the main reason for that was up until very recently tweetbot which is my client of choice had, gotten, had to get rid of its stats stuff because it was not available in the Twitter API. They've since put back some of it now that it is once again available. But I still tend to look at the Twitter website for stuff like uh, likes and retweets and stuff if I'm curious at looking at tweet information because it just doesn't really come across in most Twitter clients. I also, in some cases for Google apps, use the browser, uh, even on like my iPad. Sometimes yeah. accessing like a Google spreadsheet on the iPad is better than using the app because there's some things you just can't do in the app, which is weird. Uh, so that tends to be sort of another one. And then every once in a while... I want. I have like a community or something that I want to dip into, like on Discord or Slack, but I don't want to like log into the workspace. So I will sometimes just load those up in a browser if I want to sort of quickly dip my toe into uh, a community that I don't spend a lot of time in, but like want to check in um, rather than adding it to my Discord permanently. I don't know. It just oh, that's smart. I, I, yeah, sometimes you just don't want to have it always sitting there, thinking like, oh, there's that Slack I never check. <laughs> it's taking up an icon space, and now I've got too many slacks. Uh, We've all been there. All right. Thank you all for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our final topic, which comes from Matthew.
3: Still on the topic of apps and websites, uh, last week, Twitter finally, finally added um, a feature that's been requested by its users for, I, I feel like, a decade at this point, which is like being able to search your DM history, which is hugely useful Crucial feature. But I'm wondering, what's a long overdue feature request that you have for a product or a service that you use every day?
1: I have one for almost anything and everything. And it's that I want transcripts on every single thing I use. Um, mm. I just yesterday saw this new uh, application that is supposed to be coming out soon, or might already be out. I can't remember. But uh, it is a, it's it's like a Zoom, it's like a Slack, or a, it's like a Zoom, it's like a Skype, it's a, a, a meeting application for being able to have calls with folks, but built in from the ground up are transcripts. And you can use those transcripts to like in the moment, make action items so that people are aware, oh yeah, this was the task that I was supposed to do. Transcripts, I, I'm a person who, despite the fact that I have, uh, as, as, according to my last audio test, I have perfect hearing or near perfect hearing. I use. Quit bragging.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: despite the fact of that I still use uh, captions or subtitles depending on the content that I'm watching for everything. There's always text on the screen. Um, and. I would love to have that on everything else as well. Uh, it would also be, secretly, it would be helpful for me as a podcaster because occasionally people will tweet at me with jokes uh, based on something that I said in some podcast that I said. And pretty much as soon as the show is over, I've forgotten everything that I've said. So I have to be reminded like, uh, can you give me some context on the reference you're making? Because I have no idea which show I set that on. So yeah, transcripts on everything would be awesome. Rosemary, what about you?
2: I'm going to surprise everybody by asking for better automation support in all (laughs) of of the things. Um, But uh, in slightly more seriousness, I would really like there to actually be better um, access to the status of your device um, within shortcuts Um, on iOS and macOS. You can't get the current focus mode or if you're in a focus mode through shortcuts. Why not? Seriously, why not? Why why can't (laughs) I do this? It drives me
0: nuts. It drives me absolutely Um, nuts.
2: Yeah, um, unfortunately, I'm actually beta testing an app which solves this problem on the Mac. But like things like that should be built in uh, to think to all those things. Like I was trying to use AppleScript the other day to get all of the shortcuts that I have that aren't in folders. And you have to pack around to make it work. And I feel like a lot of developers maybe think, oh, yeah, like automation stuff is really only for nerds. But a lot more people would use automation things if they could easily understand what it is they were looking for um and you know when they went to try the thing there was an action there that did what they wanted um and you've got to start somewhere so apple you know focus mode shortcut support go for it
0: yeah i'm gonna pick a, a little one but it's one that does bug me pretty regularly i really like tap backs in i in iMessage but why are they limited to like four yeah. things? Yeah. It's so
2: any annoying. Emoji. Let's Let go. me have all the emoji and as Come symbols. on.
0: If there's anything that we have learned from like people's use of Slack is that reaction emoji are great and they are super useful. So I wholeheartedly encourage Apple to build this into iMessage on all its platforms and make it easy to add any emoji as a tap back. It would just, I don't know, it's a little thing, a little quality of life improvement. And then I'll throw in a second one. I really, so I've been using Fantastical more and more recently. But uh, previous to that, I was just sort of a user of the built-in calendar app on iOS and macOS. And it frustrated me to no end that I could have, as I often did, the same event on three different calendars, because it depends where I'm sharing those calendars. And it would just not find a way to collapse those into one event, which is something that Fantastical does, which is lovely. But come on, Apple, (laughs) your calendar app hasn't changed in like 10 years. Just spend some time on that. That and mail both need some series updates that's all i'm gonna say about that matthew why don't you wrap us up here
3: yeah well if you've been following me on twitter i'm sure you've seen me beating this drum many 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 times but uh this is for another apple feature request uh, which i radared many years ago still has not been addressed um contacts and messages pronoun sharing uh just the ability mm-hmm. to, to put your mm-hmm. pronouns in a contact card if, you, if someone tells you what they are uh or to uh optionally share them with folks so that they know what they are this is a this is a feature that slack has that tons and tons and tons of services have and apple has just been dragging their feet on it
1: and also uh mark a message is unread
3: Also that, also (laughs) that. But
2: I mean, you can share your picture. (laughs) Why not share your pronouns as well? Exactly.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that makes good sense. That's a great, great suggestion.
2: I like it.
1: All righty, folks. With that, we have reached almost the end of the episode, but I do have a bonus topic for you. My question for you is, do you have a favorite flower? And if not a favorite flower, a favorite plant will suffice.
2: Uh, I get to cheat because my name is a herb and my shortened name is a flower. So my favorite my favorite plant is rosemary, the herb. And my favorite flower is our roses because they are all indeed lovely. Uh, Dan, I don't know. I I really
1: like uh I like ferns. There you go. I like ferns. Ferns are I mean they're amazing. They cool. have so yeah. much DNA, more DNA than almost any other thing, which is pretty interesting. Going with ferns,
0: there you go. Matthew, mm,
3: I like orchids because they're they're beautiful and sort of uh, tricky to care for, but in a satisfying way. And mm-hmm. also, um, they can be used as a cocktail garnish in tiki drinks, which I also oh. enjoy. Oh, yeah. I like
1: there you yeah. go. I need
2: to get my flower again for that.
1: My favorite flower is Plumeria, also known as Frangipani, or Frangipani, depending on where you are. There was recently a, a tweet that said people don't often ask men what their favorite flower is. And so they were, somebody was just like, hey, guys, what, what's your favorite flower? And I thought, wow, I feel blessed to have been <laughs> in, a, in a circle of people where it's not like a gendered thing to ask people what their favorite flower is. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Frangipani... Uh, slash uh, plumeria for me. All right, um, folks, we will be reaching the end soon. But if you would like to get ad free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, you can become a member of clockwise. All you do is go to relay.fm slash clockwise and sign up for just five bucks a month or 50 bucks a year. Really good deal on that year. And you'll help support the show in this week's overtime topic. We discuss sideloading on iOS. Well, We have reached the end of the show, and all that remains is for us to thank our fantastic
0: guests this week. Matthew Bischoff, thank you so much for being here.
3: Oh, it was a pleasure, as
1: always, friends. And Rosemary Orchard, thank you so much for joining us.
2: No problem. I'm always available for Clockwise. It's my favorite show about washing clocks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And Micah will be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there,
1: watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.